You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I just got back into town recently and have been gone for the last month. So I know some of you are faces that are new to Trinity since I've been gone. I'd love to meet you after service. Also, for those of you joining us online, I'd like to welcome you as well and so glad that you are with us. Today, we're starting Disciple Equip, which is something we've been kind of building up to for a long time, pretty much since I've been here for the last 18 months as the new lead pastor. And I'm really, really excited to get to do that with you. This is a sermon series and really a tool designed to help equip us to live as disciples of Jesus, but also to participate in multiplying disciples of Jesus. And as we go through Disciple Equip, I I don't want to present it as though it's some kind of a silver bullet, it's this magic potion that's going to solve all discipleship and make it all perfect. No, uh, it is, it is a, a, a long journey and, and a road ahead of us, but Disciple Equip is a wonderful tool that's going to help us in that process. And, and it's based really on this premise that Jesus is worthy of giving up our lives to follow. And we want to be a church that shares that with everybody who's willing to listen. So I'm just going to lay our cards out on the table. If you're not a Christian and you're with us here today, we're really glad that you're with us and we want you to meet Jesus and to follow him with us. That's our hope and our prayer. And so in this time through Disciple Equip, there are going to be people who are part of our church who've been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive, right? And then there are going to be people who have yet uh, made it, who, who are yet to have made a commitment to follow Jesus. And there's going to be people who are everywhere in between that. And so no matter where you are at on this journey of faith, I just want to welcome you, tell you we're glad that you're here, tell you that we're glad uh, that you're going to be a part of this time with us, and we're praying and hoping that Disciple Equip will be hugely beneficial to you and your walk with Him. Uh, in fact, this time should be really recalibrating for us. It's really something that we've got to do from time to time to set aside an entire season just to go back to what's most important. Because as those of you who do follow Jesus know, following Jesus is it's a lifelong journey. It's not this one that we you know, graduate from or something like that. Now, here is how this is going to work as we go through Disciple Equip. If, if you have a workbook, uh, you can maybe look at this in more detail later on, on pages five and six. It lays this out in a lot of detail. Um, if you don't have a workbook, by the way, they're, they're just out there in the commons, and you can grab one after service. And through this time, each week, we're going to be in, this, in our Sunday gatherings, we're going to cover some Bible teaching around uh, a particular emphasis or focus of discipleship. And if you want to just think of these things in, in the terms that I'm going to use, we're going to call that teaching. And then we're going to work through the application of that teaching in community, in our community groups with one another through discussion, through activities, and really through sharing life together. Again, the language we're going to use around that portion of it is 
apprenticeship. We're being apprenticed to Jesus together. Finally, we're going to take what we've learned and then we're going to implement those things into our everyday lives through making a regular practice of spiritual disciplines. In this portion, we're going to use the language of immersion. Think of it like diving into the deep end of a pool. You're completely immersed in what that means to follow Jesus in that sense. Does that sound okay? Does that sound good? I mean, it might be a little bit foggy still. It should become more clear as we go through this. Well, I'm going to begin, uh, as, as we get into this today, I'm going to begin with some prayer. Why don't you join me in your hearts as, as we do? God in heaven, we come before you as the God who, who made us, the God who we in our sin have fallen away from you, fallen away from relationship with you and distanced ourselves from you, but as the God who is so gracious and loving that he sent his son to redeem us. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to follow you. We want to be your disciples, and we pray that as we look at your word today that you would help each one of us, as I described a moment ago, wherever we are at in this journey of faith of following you, help each one of us today to be transformed by the truth of your word, to draw near to you. We pray that you would have your way in this time. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, last week, as I alluded to earlier, my family and I arrived home after a, a really long road trip. I didn't tell you about that part. We were gone for 25 days, and it was an adventure, as you can probably imagine, a lot, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but overall, a really great time. And we got in, actually, last Saturday at 1 a.m., so that just kind of puts a little bit of a, gives you a picture of <laughs> what some of our time on this trip was like. We actually covered most of the western United States during this time. We uh, began in uh, Seattle, of course. We went through Spokane and through northern Idaho. Then we went through Montana, and we have a picture of just an incredible view that we had. Even in Montana, it's desolate out there, but look at what God showed us, just beautiful place. Uh, and, and as we went through Montana, then we dipped back through Idaho again and went over to Wyoming and went to uh, Yellowstone and had a great time there. Uh, we went after Yellowstone all the way through Minnesota and through Wisconsin and down through Illinois. We went to um, Chicago, had a great time at the Art Institute of Chicago and at Frank Lloyd Wright's house, which is where I got the shirt, and uh, Millennium Park and all that stuff, Did had a great time in Chicago. And then we uh, went down south through the rest of Illinois. We actually got to stop off at Lincoln's house, which I think we have another photo of that one as well. So that's Lincoln's only house he ever owned. We got to visit that. That was a pretty cool experience. Uh, and then we went down through um, St. Louis. I think I might have a picture of the arch there. I can't remember. Nope. Okay. This is actually, we, hold on a second here. Uh, we went through the panhandle through uh, Oklahoma and through West Texas where Emily, my wife, was raised. And, and then we went over into Santa Fe and this is taken at Meow Wolf, which I can't even describe it to you. You can just see how bizarre, amazing of a place this is. Uh, if you're ever in Santa Fe, you totally got to go to this place. I uh, had a great time in Santa Fe. What a beautiful uh, landscape and, and time that we had there. Saw some friends that went over into Arizona, went to Flagstaff and went to the Grand Canyon from Flagstaff. 
Man, God's creation is incredible. I just, we were stunned by the, the, the vastness and the, the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. Beautiful uh, time. And we also got to go to Lowell Observatory. For some of you guys who are kind of astronomy nerds, we got to go see where they discovered Pluto and got to look into some pretty intense telescopes. Had a great time there. Went through Joshua Tree on our way over to the California coast, spent some time with family there, did some boogie boarding and surfing. I'll admit to you guys, I could never stand up on the surfboard, so I'm not embarrassed about that. But my son Eli did, so that kudos to him. That's a hard thing to do for those of you guys who've never tried it. That's stinking hard. Uh, anyway, so we went up through uh, California, had a great time in San Francisco, one of my favorite places in this uh, country. And then finally made our way back home, and we were so glad to finally be home. Our kids uh, don't like being hot. Uh, Emily and I don't either, but our kids really don't like being hot, and it was hot almost everywhere that we went. Uh, and we were just happy to come back to some rain and some green trees and plants and green everywhere and beautiful big bodies of water and just being home and being back here with you guys. I'm excited to be able to do that. And this was the first time, you can, you can go to a blank slide or something now, Eve. Um, this is the first time that I had done most of the drives that I just described to you since my band was on tour in 2002, okay? So this is like 20 years it had been since I'd done most of these drives. And there was one major difference between what this trip was like versus that trip. Can anybody guess what that might have been, besides, of course, the masks and the company that we were with and what our objectives were. Anyone have a guess as to what the major difference was between driving these drives in 2002 versus 2021? It was the maps, right? It was the maps. Doing these drives in 2002 required you to actually have a physical map. For those of you youngins here, this is where people take paper. This is... I don't know if you've heard of paper, it's amazing. They print, you can actually print things on a piece of paper, it's amazing technology. And, and they sometimes print maps on physical pieces of paper. And, and in 2002, you had to not only have one of those, you had to be able to read it, and you had to be able to compare that with what you see out in front of you on the road and figure out what's going on. And if you had some difficulty back then, you know, you had to actually have someone with you who knew better than you, who could help you along the way, who could describe the map to you, or perhaps that person isn't with you in your party, and you have to stop and pull over on the side of the road and actually talk to a real human being, and, and maybe a local who can help give you some directions and tell you that you got to turn left after the Taco Bell and then turn right after the, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's if you're humble enough, of course, to, to stop and do that sort of a thing. But in 2021, what do we do? We all know what we do, right? We just type in some stuff, and then we just obey every word that Siri gives us, right? And actually, on this trip, we were mostly using, uh, the, what's the Google version of Siri? I don't, I don't know what that's called. I just call her Google Lady. So we were just hanging on Google Lady's every word, which of course works most of the time, but sometimes it becomes a problem because sometimes... You know, Google Lady ain't as smart as we think that she is, right? 
And, and sometimes you end up on stretches of highway where you haven't seen a human being in forever and you haven't had cell service in forever and you can't access your location, you know, like going 200 miles plus in the middle of Wyoming, for example, right? And the, why am I giving you all this stuff about this, the maps? Well, sometimes this is what life is like, isn't it? Sometimes we go through life and we can't figure out exactly where we're going we can't pinpoint our exact location. We don't really have a road map. We, we don't know who we need to get in our circle to help us to navigate. And sadly, sometimes this is what discipleship is like. Sadly, many people make commitments to follow Jesus without getting the question answered, what is this journey that I'm on? At some point, we have to stop and we have to ask that question because sometimes we just don't know where we're going. Sometimes we don't know our current location. Sometimes we don't have a map. And sometimes we don't know who we need to help us navigate. But if we've literally given up our lives to follow Jesus, which is what it means to follow him, we've got to seek to understand where we are going and how we go about Getting, here, getting there, and not only to understand that for ourselves, because following Jesus is really not just a call to follow Him ourselves, but to follow in all of His ways, which includes making disciples. That was His commission to us. And so we need others to come around us to help us on our journey, and we are also called to help others on their journey as we all do this together as the church. The other thing that I want to say, though, is that this journey that I'm describing, this journey that we go on as disciples of Jesus, it's a journey that exists inside of a story, of a much, much, much bigger story. And this story tells us why we need to be discipled by Jesus. And part of navigating this journey that's inside of that story is not just knowing where you are at and where you are going. Uh, but also knowing what story you're in. You see, you and I have been taught by our culture to believe that I'm in a story called my life, right? This is what we're told every single day. This is what advertisers play off of. I'm in a story, and it's called my life. And my goal in this story, my goal in this life is to get everyone else to understand how to fall in line with my story, how to do things on my terms, on our terms. And, you know, then we meet Jesus, and we, we try to do the same thing with him. So long as he's helpful to us, we want him to come and to join us in our story. Yeah, sure, Jesus, you can come along. You can just be an accessory to this life that I'm trying to form for myself. Sure, why not? Seems like a good move, but the truth is that we, friends, did not give ourselves life. We are not the designers of our lives. We were never meant to live in a way that brings God along as an accessory or even lives apart from God. See, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him, and I'll say either him or her, for all of the, the male pronouns and so forth here. Let him deny himself 
and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You see, you have to see yourself inside of the story that God is writing rather than trying to somehow squeeze God into yours. And the Bible tells us one unified story that actually leads to Jesus. And so the story of Jesus and the story of being his disciples exists within this larger story. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the centerpiece. He's the reason why this story exists. And it's the same story that we even rehearse in almost every one of our Sunday gatherings as we come together. You might have picked up on this. It's creation, fall, redemption, new creation. This is the biblical narrative. It's the the verses that we've looked at thus far in our service as well today. Let's look at how the Bible shows this through those verses, and then let's see where discipleship fits in to that bigger story. Let's begin with creation. We saw in, earlier in our service in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created man, that's humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. The Bible teaches us that God made the universe, and he called it good. He called it good. He made the earth and everything in it, and he called it good. He made us male and female, and he called it good. He gave us an identity and a purpose, it said here in Genesis 1, to bear his image, which means really to know him, to love him, to find life in him, and to reflect him then to the world. He commissions humankind to be fruitful and to multiply. He calls it good. But we know that the story goes from there to the fall, as we read earlier in the service. And Genesis chapters 2 and 3 tell us, And the Lord, God, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of the tree of the garden, sorry, of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they, th- they thought that they were wiser than God. They wanted to create their own identity and purpose. They wanted to form life apart from their creator. Really, the way that we hear, if you were to read the entire story, what they were doing was following the serpent, not following God. They were following the darkness rather than the light. They didn't want to just be made in the image of God. They wanted to be God. And so they turned away from God as king. 
And from then on, the way of the world has been following in their footsteps. It's been fraught with human suffering and sin and brokenness and idolatry and death. The world is full of greed and destruction and murder and sickness. And we see this played out in the story of humanity. You don't need me to obviously tell you all these things that I just said, because we see it every single day. But we also see this played out in the story of Israel. This was God's people in the scriptures were told their story, where he formed them, he redeemed them into this new people that were going to image God to the world. They were, they were going to know God. They were going to love God. They were going to show the world what he's like. They were there to bless and, to, and to, to share God's light with the whole world. But they chose their own path. And it resulted in exile. God cast them out of the land that he had promised to them. And they were ultimately cast away from the presence of God, from the relationship that they had with him. And friends, this is not just the story of humanity. This is not just the story of Israel or the story of the Old Testament. This is the story of every human being that has ever lived besides Jesus. This is my story This is your story. We were created in God's image, but we chose our own path. We chose to try and find life apart from Him. We chose not to know Him, not to love Him, not to show the world what God is like and to be a blessing. We have all participated in and been affected by the fall. And in that, friends, we have forfeit our relationship with God. We have forfeit life. And this is the bad news. This is terrible news. But here's the good news of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, as we heard earlier in our service, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. That's undoing the effects of the fall. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption. This is good news. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Before the beginning of time, God knew how the human story would go, fall and all. He he knew how it would go. And before any of it even took place, he made a plan to send his son to redeem us, to love us, 
to show us mercy. You know, friends, we can look around us and see the brokenness, the sin, the devastation in the world today. As I mentioned, we don't, you don't need me to tell you about that. But the thing is, is it can become so prevalent, so overwhelming that it seems like there's no hope of knowing God, no hope of knowing the one who made us, no hope of us being who we were created to be, no hope of us doing what we were created to do, to bear God's image and to to follow in his path. You know, it does seem that way at times until Jesus comes and enters the scene and everything changes. The Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus did what humanity couldn't do. Jesus did what Israel couldn't do. He truly reflected the image of God. And through his life, through his death for our sins on our behalf, and through his resurrection to new life, he fulfilled all that Israel was meant to. He redeemed humanity from slavery to sin and the serpent. He blessed, he became a blessing to the nations, to the whole world, because he died for the sins of the whole world. And he made a way for you and I to find life, and not just temporal life, but eternal life with him. He made a way for us to be remade, to be made new into the image of God. And if we choose to follow Jesus, we don't remain in exile. We don't remain distant from the God who made us. We actually become his disciples. And the story of God, the story of the Bible isn't actually over. The Bible actually tells us of a future where Jesus returns. He's actually today, he's ascended and ruling and reigning on his throne in heaven. But there will be a day where he returns to fully reveal his reign and to make all things new. This is the portion of the story called new creation. Here's what Revelation 21 says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things, praise God, have passed away. And He who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, Jesus is bringing this reality that we have just read, he's bringing it to bear today. He's beginning this work. He's redeeming the broken, fallen sinners on earth, just like you and me. He's making us new, and he will one day make all things new. This 
is the story of God. This is the story that God is orchestrating today, and this is the story that we are all invited into, all invited to partake in. We are called into new life as Jesus' disciples. We are called to walk with Him and His people, and we are called together to spend time with Him so that we could become like Him, become more like Him, And also so that we can live like him, to bear his image. This is the call of the disciple. And so discipleship is a journey. And it's a journey of being with Jesus to become like Jesus so we can live like Jesus. Church, this is a lifelong pursuit. This is a lifelong journey. And I want to close our time with Jesus' call. He said, this is coming back to what I read earlier in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, again, this is him or herself, and take up his or her cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his or her life will lose it, but whoever loses his or her life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man or woman if he or she gains the world and loses or forfeits him or herself? Jesus is telling us what it means to be one of his disciples. Jesus is telling us that his disciples deny themselves. This means more than just denying certain ways of living. It is that, but it's more than that. It's... it's, It's literally giving up control of your life, giving it over to Him as your Lord and Savior. But Jesus also says that that being one of His disciples means taking up your cross. Disciples of Jesus take up their cross. This is sacrificial love. It means committing ourselves to Him even to the point of rejection from the world or death. But it also means committing ourselves to others, even if it costs us everything. And these first two, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, are summed up in the third, which is Jesus says, his disciples, follow him. Follow in his life. Follow in his example. Follow in his teachings. And so in its simplest form, A disciple is a follower. And as disciples of Jesus, friends, we follow Him. And this is what Disciple Equip is going to be all about. We're going to learn and experience following Jesus together, what that that looks like. Why? So that we can spend time with Him, so that we can become like Him, and so that we can live like Him. Jesus is calling us, church, As his disciples, he's calling us to be his disciples so that we can spend time with him to become like him and seek to live like him. And all of us have had and will have slightly different journeys as disciples. Every one of our stories within that bigger story of God is slightly different, right? 
All of us will have different people to walk with us along the way on this journey. My journey as a disciple began in my home growing up. I didn't really have my faith solidified until later on in life as a, as a young adult. But I can remember having conversations about Jesus uh, from, with my parents from when I was a kid, asking them huge questions about Him. And my parents both taught me about Jesus, but they also lived like Jesus, not perfectly, but they showed me glimpses of what this Jesus is like. And I don't, I don't think I would know Jesus apart from their lives because they both gave me the truth. They did teach me the truth, but they also gave me an example to follow. Later on as a teenager, I, I got involved in serving our church in the music ministry and I got, I got to play the drums there. And similar to how my parents uh, taught me and gave me an example, the pastor there did the same. He, he invested his life into me. He didn't just teach me how to be a better drummer, although he did do that. He gave me a sweet mixtape with like U2 and Led Zeppelin and the police and you know, Peter Gabriel and all that kind of stuff. It was awesome. So he did do that. But he really walked with me in all of life. And he challenged me and loved me enough to speak up. And, and, and when he saw parts of my life that were out of step with what Jesus teaches and Jesus' life, he corrected me and he helped me. And again, my journey of faith didn't solidify until after that time, but that was such a formative experience. And in my adult life and ministry, I've had so many more people and pastors pour into me as we have followed Jesus together. I've had pastors, for example, who sacrificed their time and, and apprenticed me to ministry. They taught me what it means to be a pastor I've had friends and fellow church members who have directly or indirectly, in fact, helped me to be with Jesus, helped me to become more like Jesus, and have helped me to live like Jesus. And all of these people and more are part of who has discipled me. As they walked with me on this journey, here's the good news. I didn't just grow. They grew too. That's a part of the beauty of discipleship. And you know, I've had the joy and the challenge of getting to do the same thing with others. You know, every relationship is more than just a relationship. It's also a discipleship opportunity. In fact, every sphere of life is an opportunity to deny oneself, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus. And so what I want you to look at today and this week is this question of, are you all in with Jesus? Are you his disciple? Let's pray. God in heaven, we stand back and we look at your story and how you've been working throughout all of history 
And we're just astounded, God, at your power and your sovereignty and your love and your wisdom that you, God, would not just create and walk away, but that you would be so invested in what is going on here on your earth and what's going on in the human story, that you would step into it to redeem us. God, we thank you for making that plan. Jesus, we thank you for coming and fulfilling that plan. And Jesus, we thank you for inviting us into that bigger story and inviting us into this journey of discipleship. And God, as we continue through this series in these coming weeks, would you draw us closer to your heart? Draw us closer to your vision for our lives that we might follow you more deeply and more faithfully. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.